Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with all of you. Beginning in April, I'm going to be launching a series of college to career live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs or careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp. And then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live and it's led by me over Zoom. And you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in learning how to become limitless, to upgrade your brain, to learn anything faster, including how to speed read, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest has quite literally created a roadmap to help you do just that. But before I introduce you to the amazing Jim Quick, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. Lots of alliteration there. That's Time for Coffee's newsletter that features career advice, insights, and the big takeaways that I've gleaned from interviewing hundreds of professionals like Jim in dozens of different industries in service of my mission to empower 1 million college students to turn your expensive college degrees into careers you'll love. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my motivated, macchiato-loving listeners, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my absolutely incredible next guest is Jim Quick, a globally recognized expert in memory improvement, brain optimization, and accelerated learning. After a childhood brain injury caused him years of suffering, including struggling to learn, Jim created strategies to dramatically enhance his own medical performance, his own mental performance. He's since gone on to help hundreds of thousands of others to unleash their brain's true potential. Jim is also the host of the acclaimed Quick Brain podcast, that's K-W-I-K, as well as quicklearning.com's online courses, which are used by students in 195 countries. And by the way, I've actually taken one of Jim's courses. And most recently, he has become a best-selling author. His book is entitled, What Else? Limitless, 
upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. I also want to mention for our podcast listeners that we are actually live streaming this interview on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube. So I also want to welcome our viewers from around the world. I want to make sure you say hello in the chat. Jim, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? <laughs> I, I really am. I want whatever you're having. I love your energy so much. And Andrea, thank you so much for having me. I just oh. actually shared this on my LinkedIn also as well. So hello to, to just this incredible community that you have of, of lifelong learners. And so I'm very, very grateful to be here and excited for this conversation. Well, me too. And I've already had my coffee today. And now I'm drinking water with actually a little bit of our mutual friend, Dr. Amons. Mm -hmm. He's got this little powder he does, he does. you can put in water. And so I'm just hydrating at this point. But are you actually drinking coffee? I'm not. A, I don't drink a lot of coffee, but you know, sometimes when I when I, I feel called to it, I drink more of a tea, more of a tea drinker myself. Yeah. The hydration is so important. You know, just staying hydrated will boost your reaction time, your thinking speed upwards of thirty percent. So I encourage everybody to grab their favorite beverage and let's get brainy. Absolutely. So. I know because we had a little chat before we started this interview that you are not on the West Coast. You kind of go between the East and West Coast. You're here on the East Coast, which is where I am, and it is mid-afternoon. Mm -hmm. But could you kind of take us into your morning routine, Jim? Because I know that plays such an important role in being able to optimize your brain. Yeah. So hello to everybody who's listening and, and or watching this. I believe that if you want to win the day, you really have to win that, that first hour of the day. You know, I believe that when you talk about routines, that the treasure that you seek is hidden in our daily routines. Yet, how often do we actually sit down and really think about consciously how to design it for a great day? So, uh, so everyone's watching this, regardless of your age or stage. I, I hope one of these tips will be able to serve you. My morning routine, everybody has different ones. Oprah has hers and Tim Paris has his. Mine is all about getting my mind right. You know, I really feel like we're in the millennium of the mind, that we upgrade our technology, like our phones and our apps, more than we upgrade the most important technology, which is found between your ears. So my, my morning routine is about getting that online. And it really starts the night before. I think it's so important, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but prioritize your sleep. When you don't sleep, how are you performing the next day? How's your ability to make good decisions? Your ability to think critically, solve problems? How's your focus? How's your memory, right? And so really prioritize your sleep. One of the things that I do before I go to sleep, and I have a whole evening ritual also as well, my morning routine, which I think millions of people have seen online. And I'll give you a little bit more detail here in this conversation, but also your evening routine is very important. But, you know, I really want to prioritize my sleep. Here's one tip. I don't know, Andrew, if you had this experience where you had to get up one morning, particularly early, maybe like 4.30 in the morning, you set an alarm. And I don't know who's listening to relate to this, but you set that intention and you wake up within minutes or even yeah. seconds of that alarm going off. That's the power of the human mind. And what I'm interested in is what else is it capable of achieving? You know, what if before you went to bed, that same intention or potential that you have to wake up at a certain time, that's pretty magnificent. What if you asked yourself a question? that while you're sleeping for your, for your dream state to go, you know, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream. 
Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream. So utilize that for performance and don't get obsessed about the question or don't ruminate about, but maybe introduce a question because your brain doesn't shut off at night. It actually goes in these creative places. And so I would say just test that out. The first thing I do when I wake up is I remember my dreams and we could talk about that. There's six things I do every morning to uh, recall my dreams because a lot of times people do come up with treasure, but they forget it. And so that's interesting. Even if you have a family member, do you have a team, you have friends, you know, talking about your dreams, sharing your dreams, there's there could be some real amazing uh, you know, benefit for doing that. Uh, another thing I do first thing in the morning besides recalling my dreams, and I did a whole podcast on that, I hydrate just staying hydrated. You can lose up to a pound of water while you sleep through respiration or perspiration. And your brain is 75% water. And as I mentioned, staying hydrated will boost your reaction time, your thinking speed substantially. When I do that, I also take my probiotics. We talk about in the book, the power of your second brain, which is your gut. And so you want to make sure you, you treat that well. I also make my bed first thing in the morning. And you're thinking, well, why do I need to do that for my brain? But how you do anything is how you do everything. And you want to you do it with excellence, like much like they do maybe in the, in the military, right? And with centimeters and angles, you train, it takes only two minutes to make your bed, but you train, you bring that excellence into other areas of your life. And also your brain thrives on the environment. We talk about this a lot, but how wonderful does it feel to come back full circle at the end of the day to well-made bed? You come back full circle to success. And so make your bed, take two minutes. And these are things that are not time-consuming. Drinking water, making your bed, reflecting on your dreams for a minute or two. Another thing I would recommend everyone do is three minutes of exercise. And it's interesting. It doesn't have to be your full workout, but there was a study done at Appalachian State University saying for weight management, for deeper sleep, when's the best time to exercise? 7 a.m., 1 p.m., or 7 p.m. They tested morning, afternoon, and evening, and they found there was a clear answer. It was 7 a.m. That those who exercise at 7 a.m., even for a few minutes, three minutes of jumping jacks or some little bit of cardio, some jump rope, something easy, get your heart rate going, what's good for your heart is good for your head, actually increase deep sleep upwards of 75%. That's the restorative sleep we could all benefit from. It's not just the quantity of sleep, it's the quality. And so I do just three minutes. And again, even if you have kids or something, you could do that with your friends. You could do that with your children. And then a couple of quick other things, little things you could do to, for your brain. Brush your teeth. Man, I'm going to challenge everybody who's listening and watching. Brush your teeth with your opposite hand. And I, I've been talking about this for over 20 years. And what I found is we get a lot of feedback from our students and our community that we know that one part of your brain controls the opposite side of your body. That, God forbid, you know, somebody has head trauma or a stroke, maybe on the left side of their brain. If there's paralysis, then manifests, it'll happen on the opposite side. But it's not just a mind-body connection. There's actually a body-mind connection that by using your body in certain ways actually stimulates different parts of your brain. There's a study done at Oxford University saying jugglers, the act of learning how to juggle actually makes your brain bigger. You create more white matter. And so I always tell people, as your body moves, your brain grooves. But your brain, you know, we, you know, people say, that's a brain coach. You know, it's kind of like a personal trainer. A personal trainer wants to get your body stronger, more flexible, more agile, more energized, right? Sharper. Well, I want your, your mental muscles to be stronger, more energized, more agile, faster. And, and such. And how do you do it? Through novelty and nutrition. If you want to build your biceps, you give it novelty, you exercise it, and then you feed it nutrition. Same thing with your mental muscles. And so giving it some stimulus is important. And even that could be physical activity. So using your 
other hand, you're a dominant hand to eat or to brush your teeth. And so it builds those, those pathways called neuroplasticity. But what it also does, it forces you to be present. And I think it's so important now in an age full of distractions, where if you're in school or just out of school and you have trouble focusing and concentrating in a world full of rings and pings and dings and likes and shares and comments and videos and all of this, or even just a Zoom conversation, if your mind wanders, you read a page in a book, get to it and just forget what you just read, or somebody tells you their name and you lose it seconds later because your mind can't concentrate. Part of it is just being present. And here's one of the principles, because I found that there's always a there's always a promise behind a principle. And the principle is you need to challenge yourself. And with challenge comes change. And we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 20 years than the previous probably 2000 years combined. What we found is we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. Neuroplasticity says that we could actually create your brain can get older, but it could grow better. You could create new connections where there wasn't and it's not fixed like your shoe size. So your potential, your intelligence, your memory, for instance, it actually all can improve through challenge. And so challenging yourself to brush your teeth with the opposite hand, not only does it build the opposite side of your brain, but it also it forces you to train your focus. Yes. Because many people can't do it and be doing other things at once because it's novel. So it forces you to be present and building that muscle Flexing your focus muscles first thing in the morning will show up in the rest of your day. Because what most people do is the opposite. What do they do? They go on their phone. And if there's one productivity performance tool, yes, have a to-do list. But I also notice with the high achievers, the, the cognitive performers that I get to work with, these mental who are so mentally fit, one of the things they do have is not only a to-do list, but they have a not-to-do list, things that they will not do. And one of the things I would offer everyone to experiment on is don't touch your phone just for 30 minutes in the morning. The first 30 minutes, don't touch your phone because often when you wake up first thing in the morning, you're in this relaxed state of awareness. They call it an alpha state, brainwave state, alpha theta, and you're very suggestible. And the first thing you do is pick up your phone. You're rewiring your brain for two things that are going to affect your productivity, your performance, your peace of mind. And first thing is it rewires your brain for distraction. Right. Every on social media, it's just all these dopamine, you get this dopamine flood, right? With everything that's novel, those those likes and shares and comments and everything. But also you're rewiring your brain not only for distraction, you're rewiring your brain for reaction. And that could be just as detrimental, meaning it trains you to to just react to things. And you can't have a quality life, you know, as you want to win today, so you could win the week, win the month, win, win your life, if you will. You can't win if you're just fighting fires and you're just reacting, right? Everybody here has had the experience where you get one message in the morning. Uh, it could be a voice message, social media message, a text message, an email, and it just hijacks your mood. And it puts you down a certain momentum towards something that may be not most empowering for you or most encouraging. So I would say not touch your phone, see what happens just for just for a few days, try it out. And instead, maybe use that energy to do some of the things that we were talking about. The last thing I would offer is to take a shower. And, and some people, most people, a lot of people do this, but I would recommend experimenting with cold therapy. That not only is the cold good to help you reduce inflammation, and they've seen inflammation as a marker for the majority of all diseases. It contributes and it can escalate a lot of challenges that we have physically and mentally. But it's like a nervous system reset, almost as good, you know, almost as good, or some people say better than, than coffee. It's just like you get that cold shower. And I don't mean take a five minute cold shower. I mean, just experiment going from warm to cold, you know, five seconds, 10 seconds as you see fit. The other thing it does besides reset your nervous system and lower inflammation, it also, I think it's important 
to build your grit, to build your resilience. To, as you go through, as we go through difficult times, right, to be able to, to persevere. And part of it is doing difficult things and not avoiding difficult things. I find that, that if you do something that's difficult, then your life gets easier. If you just do the easy things in life, procrastinate, put things off, life gets very hard. But if you do the difficult and hard things in life, life gets a lot easier. So maybe that if you train yourself to endure some cold, as an example, or whatever that is for you, it'll show up in having that difficult conversation or to go on that job interview or to to be able to perform when you need to, even if you're a little bit nervous, right? Because you've trained yourself to be comfortable doing something uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, such great advice. And I want to let you know that I do try to do the cold shower. I'm glad to say... You can just start off like with five seconds because that's about the most I can take. It's five seconds. How many seconds do you do? So for me, for people follow on Instagram and Facebook, I'm a little bit more extreme. I met someone named Wim Hof. They call him the Iceman over eight years ago. We were speaking at an event in Boston and he's known for breaking all these records and he climbs the Himalayas in his underwear and these these various things. But I actually uh, have have a nice bath and it's it's very it's very cold. It gets below 40 degrees. And I'll sit in there for two or three minutes. Talk to your healthcare practitioner. Don't do anything unsupervised. But for me, you know, I've been doing it for so long. But even in the shower, 30 seconds of cold is wonderful to build up for. And just go, say even ending cold, you know, it's good for your skin. It's good for your hair. It's just a wonderful wake up. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jim, I was thinking that we could kick things off today Mm -hmm. by flashing way back Mm-hmm. Way back to before you liked taking cold showers, <laughs> even before you found your purpose, to when you were just a little guy yeah. in elementary school. And you talk about this, you talk about the fact that you actually had a teacher who referred to you as the boy with the broken brain. What yeah. was school like for you, Jim? What, what was the experience like? I appreciate it. I mean, I just uh, what I'm about to share with everybody is is just proof that you know every professional was once a beginner and every expert was once was an amateur. And so I'm hoping through sharing this that some people could relate to it. My inspiration really was my desperation. And my my parents, my dad immigrated here when he was 13. He lost both his parents in in Asia. They didn't have a lot of resources, and so he had to come here because they couldn't afford to to feed him. He left his siblings behind. He stayed with an aunt. And my mom worked and, you know, lived in the back of the laundromat that, you know, her parents worked at, didn't speak the language, those kind of situation. We didn't grow up with a whole lot, but we grew up with a, you know, but I, I, I attribute anything that's good out of me came through my parents. You know, anything that's fallen short, it's all, it's really all on me. When people see me on stage and on a typical year, it can be up to 200,000, quarter of a million people live in audiences. I could be on three continents in a normal week sometimes. And I do sometimes these demonstrations where maybe I'll memorize 50 people's names in an audience or 100 words or numbers. Or I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I'm really doing this to express to you what's possible because the truth is everybody watching this, you could do this too and a lot more. We just weren't taught. So I just want this to presence, whatever your age, your background, your career path, your education level, your financial situation, your gender, your history, your IQ, we are all limitless. What is limitless is not about being perfect. Limitless is about 
advancing and progressing beyond what we believe is possible. My thing is we just we weren't often taught how to access those those modern day superpowers. And I'll get to how you do that. But I know it's possible because I grew up with learning difficulties that stem from a the head injury I had when I was in school, when I was five years old in kindergarten, I had a very bad fall, rushed to the emergency room. Parents said I was never the same after that, where I was very energized, very playful, very curious. I became very, very shut down. And where it really showed up was in school. Teachers would, they would get frustrated because I didn't understand like everybody else. They would repeat themselves. And I would learn to pretend like a little bit of like an imposter syndrome at that age where I would just you didn't pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand, you know, and I had for focus memory. It took me three years longer just to learn how to read, you know, I read and write. So it was a challenge. And when I was nine, as you mentioned, I was being teased by the kids in class because I couldn't keep up. And a teacher, I, th- I really think she came to my defense, you know, saying that, you know, stop, you know, this, this boy, you know, he has this broken brain. But all I remember was broken brain, right? When she said that in front of everybody. And that label became my limit. And I want to remind everybody here that if you grew up insecure, that you're not enough, or that you didn't have your path, or you're not smart enough, or you're just not like everybody else, there's no such thing as a good or bad brain. There's a trained brain and an untrained brain. Most people ask themselves the wrong question. They're like, it's not how smart you are. It's not how smart you are. It's how are you smart? not how smart you are. It's how are you smart? And it's been my experience. I'm going on close to 30 years of teaching this every single day. And and the feedback I, I, I realize is that intelligence is not fixed and it comes in many different forms. And often it's not necessarily cultivated as much. And that's why I love you know what you're doing because you're offering people expertise, experience, new way of perspective, frameworks for people that I to fill in some of those gaps. Maybe they didn't get in their in their own education. Anyway, the long story short here is I struggled all through school, elementary school, middle school, junior high, even high school. I would be working hard, but I would be working three times harder as everybody else. But I would never. I would always barely get by. Like I would do a book report. But if a teacher asked me to present it in front of the class, I would actually lie and say I didn't because I had a fear of public speaking. My superpower, I talk about superheroes a lot, is it was was becoming invisible. I didn't want to be seen because when you feel like you're broken, you don't feel like you have a lot to offer people. So how did that manifest? I would sit all the way in the back. I would sit behind the tall kid in class. I would just shrink down all the time. You know, I, every time I was, didn't do well in school or pick for sports, I would say, oh, because I had the broken brain. That became my internal conversation. And I always tell people, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. When people come up to me and say, I have horrible focus. I'm not smart enough. I have horrible memories. I would stop. When you fight for limitations, you get to keep them, right? And so my mission, when I, when I turned 18, I was fortunate enough to get into a local uh, local uh, uh, university, right? And I, I chose a place where not I didn't know anybody who was going there because I knew that their expectations of me would keep me in this box. You know what I mean? That often uh, what keeps us stuck in our life is where we're so concerned about the opinions of other people. And it's not easy, right? It's, it's you know, we, we get validated by, you know, our family or our friends. And sometimes we don't find our own way of expressing ourselves. Sometimes we pursue a career path because it was expected of us from parents. And I talk a lot about that, you know, with some of the learning that I've had. But to sum it up, when I'm in school, I was like, man, freshman, that means I can make a fresh start. And I can really show the world, show myself that I, I, I could achieve something and I could do this. And I took all these classes expecting to do better, but I actually needed to do a lot worse. And and I couldn't afford to be in school as it was, you know, financially or otherwise. And I was ready to quit. 
I don't know if anyone's ever had this experience just when they're on the path that they feel like they have to do, right? And a friend of mine was saying that they were going to go see their family for the weekend and said, hey, before you tell your parents you're going to quit school, because there's a lot of responsibility. I have, I have two younger siblings and I want to be a good you know, role model for them. And you know, I grew up in an Asian household, uh, which wasn't like a tiger kind of, uh, but it was still, you know, I wanted to do well and, and make them proud. And um, I was like, okay. And I go visit the family and the family, um, pretty well off. The father walks me around his property, which is on the, this beautiful water and asked me a very innocent question, which is the worst question anybody could ask me at the time. He says, Jim, how's school? And I just, even talking about it makes me get choked up. I just, I broke down in front of this complete stranger because I have all this pressure on me and just tell my whole story, broken brain, injury, quit school. I don't know how to tell my parents. It would just be a big disappointment. And after I vent, he's like, Jim, why are you in school? You know, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to share, express? And I honestly, Andrea, I didn't have an answer. Like nobody's ever asked me that question before. And I think self-awareness really is a superpower. I think what for anybody who's watching, this is useful. For me, fulfillment comes from two things. Having the curiosity to know yourself. Like really being fascinated about yourself. Like who do, who are you? You know, what do you stand for? You know, what do you believe? What's most important to you in life? You know, what goes after I am, right? What, what's your identity? And, and that's why we do things. We journal or we go to talk therapy or sometimes in relationships, it helps us to learn about ourselves or whatever, whatever we come to this discovery. And we never get to a point where we just know ourselves completely. But having the curiosity to know ourselves. But then the other part, going back to other people's expectations, it takes not only the curiosity to know yourself, but also having the courage to be ourselves. Right. And once you get to kind of know who you are, it's another, it takes another, another strength to be able to express that and be on that path. And I didn't have this answer because I've never really gone inside. And I go to answer him, like, what do, what do I have in school? What do I want to be, do, have, share? And he pauses and he reaches into his back pocket and he grabs like a, a notebook and he tears out a couple of sheets with a pen and hands it to me and says, it's important that I write this down. And I was like, okay, it's like, what are we back in school? I don't know why I'm doing this, right? I never, but I, I realized that writing things down is the first step in taking something that's invisible here in your mind and make it physical, right? Outside of yourself. And so I write this list down, which, you know, after I don't know how much time goes by, but I have like a bucket list, right? All the things that I want to be, do have whatever before I kick the bucket. And when I'm folding this, she down to, to put in my pocket, Andrea, and she reaches out and grabs it right out of my hand. And then I'm freaking out because I don't, again, I think most of us are fearful of being judged, right? And I don't know this person. And obviously he's pretty happy and successful. And now he's looking at my dreams that I've never shared with anybody. My, you know, my, my, my goals and my fantasies, if you will. And I don't know how much time goes by, but he looks up and he says this, and I'll always remember it. He says, you are this close to everything on this list. And he spreads his index fingers about a foot apart. And I'm thinking, no way. Give me 10 lifetimes. I'm not going to crack this list. And he takes my, his fingers and he puts them to the side of my head. Meaning what's in between is like the bridge or maybe the key, if you will, to unlock these dreams and goals. And he takes me into a room of his home that I've never seen before. It is wall to wall, ceiling to floor covered in books. And... Like it's a library in somebody's house and I've never seen that. Keep in mind, I've never finished a book cover to cover, right? I'm a hard, I'm very, not a great reader. And so it's like being in a room full of snakes. What makes it worse though, he starts grabbing snakes and handing them to me. And uh, I'm looking at these books and these titles and there are these biographies of some incredible uh, women and men in history. 
some very early personal growth books like Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, you know, Napoleon Hill, Ogmandino, like these, these authors. And he says, Jim, I want you to read one book a week. And I'm thinking, uh, have you not heard anything I've been saying? <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to quit school. I have, so I have midterms. I, have, I said school. He looks at me, he says, Jim, don't let school get in the way of your education. I didn't realize it was a Mark Twain. This is well over a quarter of a century ago, 25 plus years ago. And, and I was like, that's very clever, but I can't promise to do it because I promise to do it. I'm going to do it. I mean, he's a very smart man. He picks, he takes out in his pocket my bucket list, which he still has. And he starts reading every single one of my goals and dreams out loud. And I don't know, Andrea, something about hearing your dreams like in somebody else's voice, like incanted out, you know, in the world. It just messed with my mind and my my soul, something fierce. Really shook me up. And honestly, a lot of the things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents, things that they could never afford or would never do for themselves, even if they could. And with that leverage, I agreed to, to read one book a week. Fast forward, put a bow on this. I'm back at school and I'm determined to succeed, right? I have a pile of books at my desk that I have to read for school and a pile I promised to read. And I already couldn't get through pile A. So what do I do? I don't eat. I don't sleep. I don't work out. I don't spend time with friends. I don't I just live in the library and not very sustainable. I end up passing out one night and then fall down a flight of stairs in my head again. And I woke up in the hospital two days later. At this point, I'm, I've wasted away. I'm, I'm down to 117 pounds. Um, malnourished, hooked up to all these IVs. I thought I died. It was the darkest time of my life. And I thought there has to be a better way. And when I had that thought, nurse came in with a mug of tea and on it had a picture. I have a picture here of a brain on my, on my mug, but a picture of Albert Einstein. And it said this quote, the same level of thinking that has created your problem won't solve your problem. And it made me think about insanity and doing different things and saying, what's my problem? I'm a very slow learner. How can I think differently about it? Well, maybe I can learn how to learn better. And I thought, where do I do that? In school. So I asked for a course bulletin and I look at all these classes for next semester and they're all classes on what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish, but no classes on how to learn it, how to focus, how to concentrate, how to study, how to read faster, how to remember the things, how to think clearer. And so I put my studies aside. I wasn't making much ground or traction there. And I started studying these topics, started studying accelerated learning, adult learning theory, multiple intelligence theory. I started studying ancient mnemonics. Like what did the ancient Greeks do before there were printing presses? How do they remember things? The art of and science of speed reading. And about 60 days into it, two months, light switch flipped on and I started to understand things for the first time. And I started to be able to concentrate. I started to remember. I started to do better in school. And with that, not only did my grades improve, but my life improved. But from there, I couldn't help, but other, help other people. And one of my very first students, when I started tutoring this, she read 30 books in 30 days. Now imagine that, like not skim or scan. Imagine being able to go on Amazon. When you and I were talking before we started about some of our you know, favorite books, somebody has decades of experience they put into a book and you can sit down in a few days and read that book download decades in the days. That's an incredible advantage today, right? Because it saves you time and all, the, all that amazing experience. And she read 30 books in 30 days. And I want to find out how, not how, I know how, because I taught her why. And I'm always interested in human motivation. A big part of this book is about how to overcome procrastination, how to find your drive and your purpose, how to maximize limitless motivation, right? To really show up for yourself. And I found out her mom was dying of terminal cancer. Doctors gave her only two months to live. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. And get a call six months later saying her mom not only survived, but is really getting better. Doctors don't know how or why. They called it a miracle. But her mother attributed it 
to the great advice she got from her daughter who learned it from all these books. And in that moment, I realized, and it put me on a whole path, that if knowledge is power, learning is our superpower. Knowledge is power. Learning is our superpower. And it's a power we all have inside of us. It's just we weren't given an owner's manual on how to be able to unlock it. But it put me on my path where I took my, my, my pain, if you will, and I found, I found my purpose. My pain was, you know, learning challenges, not feeling enough, not believing in myself, not be able to, to utilize this broken brain. And now my purpose is showing people how to have their best brain, you know, and so they can have the brightest future. And oh, thank I know you that- so much, Jim. That's such an inspiring story. And I remember reading about it in the book. It's, it just kind of puts everything into perspective. In Limitless, you also talk about the seven lies of learning. What are they? We can go through a a few of them. I'd love to highlight. It's it's one of those things where there's three parts to Limitless. And I take you on this hero's journey that I modeled from Joseph Campbell's work. And everything from the Wizard of Oz to Star Wars kind of takes you on this path of going from ordinary to an extraordinary to going through trials and facing dragons and finding a mentor and getting that elixir and coming back, bringing it back to the rest of the world. So we take that path where, where I want to be everybody's Yoda, you know, or I want to be there, you know, and make them the, the, the star. And the, we have to go through three areas to get there because a lot of people know what to do. And that's the methods. They, they want to be able to read faster, or remember names. But their mindset is, I'm not smart enough or I don't have a hard, I don't have a good memory. And you're still going to be stuck in that box and you're still going to be limited. So the first section is on mindset. And that chapter, one of the first chapters, we talk about the seven lies and that hold us back. And a lie for me, everything is always some kind of alliteration or some kind of acronym to help you know, people store it and share it is a lie stands for limited idea entertained. It's not true that you have a horrible memory. It's a limited idea we're choosing to entertain and we're giving it, you know, a power if we will. And so a couple of these lies are things like that are that genius is born. Right. I think this is something that we, we've heard along the way. It's just some people either have it or they don't. The truth is really is that genius is not born. Genius, genius is built, right? That intelligence, first of all, it's not just like SATs where it's verbal intelligence and mathematical intelligence. There's many, many other forms. What about, you know, amazing physical kinesthetic intelligence, like amazing dancers or, or, or athletes? You know, what about musical intelligence? You know, what about interpersonal intelligence. People are just amazing with other individuals or intrapersonal intelligence. People have just a knowing of self. You know, what about visual spatial intelligence? You have your artists and your architects and your graphic designers. There's so many different forms, right? And so my goal in that first section is really to help people be aware of what these lies are and then replace it with something that's more accurate, that's more empowering. Like, so it's a really a book about transcending. It's about ending the trance, you know, this mass hypnosis through marketing or media that sometimes tells us that we're not enough or that we are broken, that maybe I got it from, you know, an adult that I came across, you know, when I was growing up, but sometimes marketing or media or remember tells us we have to be fixed or somehow we're not, we're not good enough. And so what I would say is that to everybody who's listening, that you're enough, you know, regardless of what you created or built or done or anything, you're enough. 
not because of that, because you always have been, you always will be. And it doesn't mean we can't improve and that we can want to progress and be able to advance. But I feel like this idea and this kind of mental virus where it's kind of, you know, viruses are contagious and maybe negativity is, but so is kindness. And so is, so is wisdom. That's uh, also contagious. And also believing in ourselves again. That sometimes if you look up in the tree and see that bird up in the tree, it has this, I've had some pretty bad falls and like three traumatic brain injuries falling off of rooftops and other things. But I'm still like imagining if I'm a bird, I'd be pretty like not as calm and confident if I was that high. But I realized that that bird is not calm and confident because it trusts that tree branch. It's calm and it's confident because it trusts its own wings and its own abilities. And so I want to remind everybody that if you feel a little hesitant or nervous, Maybe that's a signal or a signpost to prepare, you know, to do do extra work so you can, you know, have that confidence, competence loop that we learn in psychology. You can be able to be able to access it. But one of those lies are that genius is born and I believe genius is built. And that's been my experience that I could take anybody and show them how to do better on an IQ test because we're just not taught how to do it. Another lie that's often like accepted is that that intelligence is fixed. Like we mentioned before, we talked about the growth mindset and Dr. Carol Dweck's seminal work on, on, on growth mindset and how we could help you to, to adopt where you look at yourself as not something that's fixed like your shoe size, but something that can be improved through discipline, through practice, that things are not set, that you are a thermostat, that you get set higher standards for yourself and then the environment will, will raise because of it. Another lie I would say is knowledge is power. And I even say it by myself saying knowledge is power. But the truth is all of the podcasts or books or mentors, none of it works unless we work too, right? And none of it works. The knowledge by itself is not power. It has the potential to be a lot of power. Knowledge times action and application becomes incredibly powerful. So you can learn something on a podcast that you're listening to, but I feel like it doesn't become power unless we think about how are we going to use this? How are we going to apply this? And, and scheduling it also as well. And putting in your calendar, one of the most powerful productivity performance tools there is, is your phone. And if you don't schedule it, sometimes you won't do the things, even the morning routine. You won't do it because you just forget to do it. Right. And uh, I believe first you create your habits then your habits create you. And one of the good things to do is to prioritize. And what do you prioritize? It's not about time management. We all have the same 24 hours of the day. That's the only thing actually that's equal. Right. Not everybody has the same level of education or the same contact or network or the, the same level of income or wealth. But everybody has 86,400 seconds in a day. And so it's not so much about time management. It's about priority management. And I always tell people the secret is this. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. I'll say that one more time for those who need to hear it. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing. And you make it plural, things, most important things, the most important things. And it's interesting with priority, it's, a, it's only become like priorities, plural, just the past few decades. Before that, it was only priority, the one thing, right? But now it's, we, if everything's important, sometimes nothing becomes important. But I think it's important for your studies when you're finding your purpose is to go back to what's most important to me in my life. You know, even what's what's going on right now, if people are physically distancing themselves or they're working, learning from home, now's a great time. Solitude is an incredible opportunity for self-reflection. Be able to go inside and say, you know, let me, sometimes when you're going all day at school or all day you know, trying to figure out where you're going to go, you, you don't, we don't take time to pause and say, am I going in the right direction? 
you know, you're going hundred miles an hour, but ask yourself this question, what's most important to me in life? What's most important to me in, in my education? What's most important to me in my career, right? And then you have your North Star and then say, are my actions each day, are they aligned with that? So many people feel burnt out and they say, I'm exhausted. You know, I have so much going on. And maybe you're not burnt out because you have so much to do because you're doing too much. Maybe you feel burnt out because you're doing too little of the things that make you come alive, Mm. the things you hold dear, the things that you value. And this is the kind of thing that I, you know, I was fortunate, you know, of learning when I was in, you know, in back in school and university because I had a lot of pain. And that pain made me ask these questions to be able to get out of that pain. But I would say now you don't have to go through those challenges. You could create, you know, the challenges inside for yourself and saying, you know, what, what lights me up? And also, what won't I stand for? Because you get your, your purpose or your passions through the things that light you up, but also the things that just that you want that that you hate, you know, also as well. Getting you enough novelty and finding passion, you can discover it and also develop it. Well, speaking of pain or painful experiences, Jim, what advice do you have for job seekers out Mm. there today? Let's say our young job seekers who, like everyone, are getting so discouraged because the job market is so bad. It's so much harder to find a job. And of course, the coronavirus is still around. We're doing this interview for our podcast listeners at the end of January of 2021. How can they inspire themselves and keep their motivation moving in the right direction? Andrew, that's that's the question, really. I mean, this is something you you have, you ask such thoughtful questions. I would say my my answer for those who are thinking that trying to manage their mind in times of crisis, trying to figure out in to find certainty and uncertainty, is that. There's a quote in my book from a French philosopher that says, life is the C between B and D. Life is C between B and D. B is birth, D is death, C, life, choice. But I believe that first, the mindset that I have, I would encourage everybody to kind of look from this lens to see if it agrees with you is that these difficult times can define you. These difficult times can diminish you or these difficult times can develop you. We decide going back to the power of choice. And what I would say is, that certainly I would say to maintain your agency to be that thermostat, not thermometer, that a thermometer reacts to things and they react to the environment. And we all react to everything, right? The, the weather, we react to the economy, we react to politics, we can. But to the degree my experience has been, people are happy and feel like they're successful is to the degree they feel they have agency. That things could be happening here, but the thermostat, as we mentioned, doesn't react to the environment, it gauges the environment. So get your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the job market, you know, in the opportunity, but also it sets a standard or it sets a goal and a vision and the environment reacts to it. And I would say that a big lesson that I learned, I got to talk about superheroes. The reason I talk about superheroes so much is because I couldn't read, as I mentioned, and I struggled every single day. I would get nervous every single time they pass around that book in class. I taught myself how to read by reading comic books when my parents thought I was sleeping late at night and I would escape out of my pain, you know, there. Something about the hero's journey really found that there's hope, that there's people I really want to help, that one person can make a difference. Years later, though, I got to introduce two modern day superheroes together over dinner that they wanted to meet. It was Richard Branson and Stan Lee. 
and not Stan Lee, but Stanley, like Stanley, Stan Lee, the creator of all these incredible superheroes. And in the car, I needed to know this. I was like, Stan, you created X-Men and Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Who's your favorite? He says, Jim, it's Iron Man. And I was like, wow. And it's like, she said, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And I, I, I have this like Iron Man case on my phone. I have, a, I have like Iron Man like left. And then I have, I have a real life like, seven foot Iron Man in my home. If people see that on Instagram. And, but I said, he said, who's your favorite superhero? And I said, mine is Spider-Man. And when I said Spider-Man in his iconic voice, and he says, with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And I still um, because maybe because my traumatic brain injuries and, you know, I sometimes flip words around and I heard something different. I was like, you're right, Stan, with great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make things better. You know, I have people watching on video. I have this, like, I got this art. It's a picture of Stan. Oh, in yeah. top of my office. And I put it up on, on, all the way up on this top here to remind myself that lesson that it's actually made out of candy. Sam is, he was like the youngest old person I ever met. He had two passions. He would still, you know, his late eighties, he would still go to work nine to five and his other passion, um, you know, was his wife also as well. So I really respected him. And, but he was also so playful and he learned so much. And I just, he's just, uh, I think he's a model and archetype in my mind of what it, you know, what, what our potential really could be. But I put that up there because it reminds me of responsibility. So my advice to somebody in school looking for advice or even you know out of school looking for a direction is to take responsibility. That that actually gives you power because you're not at the effect. It gives you the power to make things better. That up to this point, we're, we're shaped by our past and expectations, experience and everything else. But we are 100% responsible for our life today and moving forward. And so... I think that where that comes into play in our choices is now is the best time to level up that you don't want to shrink what's possible to fit your mind. Let's expand our mind to fit all that's possible. And part of that is not downgrading your dreams to meet this current situation. There is a reality of the situation, certainly, but don't downgrade your dreams and goals to meet this current situation. Expand your capabilities. You know, expand your your focus, your discipline, right? To learn new skills, the skills that could help you because the future belongs to the, the creators, right? Even before what's going on, jobs are becoming automated. They're going to machines, artificial intelligence. What's truly not going to be outsourced as easily is what makes you limitless, you know, the mind. There's no limit to your creativity. There's no limit to our ability to solve problems that have value in, in the workplace. There's no limit to our ability to imagine, there's no limit to our imagination, right? There's no limit to our ability to to come together at this difficult time to to focus and to persevere. And so what I would say is to play at the edge of those limits and to make time, take time. You are your greatest work of art. You're the greatest art you'll ever create. Make time to create magic, upgrade your skills. And I think one of the most important skills, learning how to learn, right? That is the advantage because if there was a genie could grant you any one wish, but only one wish, you would ask for limitless wishes. So everyone would ask for millions of wishes. If I was your learning chief, I could grant you one learning wish, help you become a master, you know, very competent expert, any one subject or any one skill. Would it be negotiating? Would it be investing? Would it be sales? Would it be market? What would it be? It would be learning how to learn. That would be the equivalent of asking for limitless wishes because if you can learn how to learn, learn how to study well, learn how to master technical information, to be able to focus and concentrate, remember to retain information, be able to read it faster, be able to process it and apply it. You could apply that towards what? 
everything else, money, management, martial arts, you know, marketing, every music, everything in your life gets easier. So I would say to that person that there are amazing amount of opportunity right now. We have so much abundance. We have more connection because of these little devices that we have in our pocket than President Clinton did when he was in office, right? We have more access. We have we have unfettered access to anything. You want to learn speed reading, salsa, Spanish? We have podcasts like this. We have YouTube, right? An incredible opportunity to level up you know, our learning. And the faster in today's economy, the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. And today's that the faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. Because knowledge is not only power, knowledge is profit. And I don't mean just financial, but that's obvious, right? But I mean all the treasures of your life. There's a growing divide, not just, not just in, in material possessions. It's those who know and those who don't know, right? And our ability to learn rapidly and translate that learning into action is the ultimate competitive advantage in today's knowledge economy. Excellent. Jim, just in our remaining few minutes, Tara, just quick questions. You mentioned yeah. our ability to learn and how most of us have never been taught how to learn, but we were taught at a very young age, how to read. Mm-hmm. And in fact, as you go into in Limitless, that is one of the reasons that many of us are not able to speed read. Yes. Can you break that down? Yeah, let's, let's go there. You know, my goal in writing this book, my teachers would have been surprised if I wrote a book, you know, read a book even, much less wrote a book. And what I would say is my goal was to make this book not necessarily the most bought, we were very fortunate that we ended this year and started this year as the number one nonfiction book on Amazon. It actually exceeded President Obama's book also as well for the entire week, the number one book. And I think it's a more of a testament to where people's mind is in 2021, that they really want to aspire again. They want to dream again. They want to think about limitless possibilities and potential. And so part of it is becoming this butterfly, you know, and while the beauty is in the butterfly, the growth happens in the cocoon. And I wanted to make this book, not necessarily the most bought, but the most read. So we do a whole chapter in the book on the art and science of speed reading. I think it's an incredible advantage to have this ability that most of us, like when you get into your job, we just spend four or five hours a day just processing information. Think about the, you know, drowning in emails and, and media and propose whatever you have to study for your, your school, your work. And if you just cut that in half, four hours could become two hours. You save two hours a day over the course of a year, or even one hour a day over the course of years, 365 hours. How many 40 hour work weeks is that? That's nine, nine, two months of productivity you get back by saving one hour a day and something ubiquitous like reading. So in the book, we, we really talk about not just the art of speed reading, but also smart reading, how to not only read faster, but understand what you read, retain what you read, apply what you read. And so when people go to limitlessbook.com, we actually gift them a 10-day basic speed reading memory course so that, you know, and we donated all the proceeds of this book to, to charity, you know, to education initiatives, to women's Alzheimer's funds, and memory of my grandmother. My, I lost my grandmother to Alzheimer's when I was six and a half. So when I was going through my learning challenges, she was taking care of me because my parents were always working, but then I started taking care of her at six or seven. So it was really something that was very passionate for me, my purpose. But going back to speed reading... Reading is not, a, it's not something you're born to be able to do. You learned it, but the last time you took a class called reading, how old were you? Six, maybe seven years old. So the difficulty and demand has increased tremendously. 
but is it fair to say we still read it at the same, the ability, at the same time we were, we were taught, last taught. And what I would say is there should have been a class right, at, you know, shortly after that on how to read with better focus, retention and understanding. And so one of the things everybody could do here is, and in my Instagram profile, there's a link I just put for a one hour masterclass if that's okay. It's free. It's jimquick.com forward slash reading for those of you who want to go directly there. You bring a book online and I take you through exercises. But one of the things you could do right now is use a visual pacer while you read. You know, I found that after teaching this for almost three decades is that slow readers will read and they'll back skip and reread words unconsciously. And it takes more energy. It takes more time to do that. And it doesn't help comprehension at all. And so, but having a visual pacer pull you through as you underline with a pen, a highlighter, your finger, a mouse on a computer, we've shown that it's actually boosts your reading speed and focus 25 to 50%, which is a tremendous gain. I mean, you think about how many people would love to get 25 or 50% return on their investments, right? And, but Reading takes time. Time is money, right? And so just boosting your reading speed 50% can save you 20 minutes on every hour of the day. And that really adds up. So just underlining the words, not touching the screen or touching the paper as you're reading will boost it. And you don't trust everything I'm saying. What I would recommend is grab a book and then put a little mark in the margin, time yourself to read for 60 seconds, and then just without your finger, just how you normally read. And then Put another mark in the margin at the end of 60 seconds, count the number of lines you just read, and then pick up where you left off using your finger, just underlining the words, not skipping or anything, and then time it for 60 seconds, count the number of lines. And that for most people, that second number will be a lift of 25-50% with just 30 seconds or two minutes of practice. And so that's those are the little kind of brain bites that we teach in our podcast in this book. We have all bunch of quick starts in there on like a 60 second exercise you could do to show measurable results. And my thing has always been that there are little things that I've identified that are like the lead dominoes. And if you hit that one domino for anyone who plays dominoes as a game, it you could hit a lot of other dominoes and learning how to learn. It's called meta learning. Meta learning is learning how to learn. Metacognition is thinking about your thinking. It's a meta skill. And when you can do that, it makes everything easier. When you learn how to speed read, all the other things you have to read after that gets easier. It's like in one of my favorite books, and I mentioned a lot of books, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Dr. Stephen Covey, his last seventh habit is sharpen the saw. That if you have a lot of wood you need to cut, but if you have a dull blade, when's the best time to sharpen it? In the beginning, middle, or end. If you wait to the end, you're going to struggle a lot. You're going to waste a lot of time. You're going to suffer a whole lot. You're going to stress a whole lot, as opposed to taking time to sharpen your skills, and then everything gets easier after that. That's what this book entails. That's the nature of our work. We want to upgrade those skills, upgrade your brain, so that if you had higher technology here, like if you have slow technology, your technology could be your phone or your computer, it's just slow. And it takes so much time and it gets jammed up and you have to reboot it, right? But if you upgrade your technology, your systems, everything is, is free-flowing and you can handle a lot more. You remember a lot more and you can work faster and there's an ease to it. Reading or recalling two or three times faster, it's not extra work. It's not frantic fast. It's like an ease. If somebody is more physically fit, if they're going to go up a hill, somebody who's not could struggle and sweat and, and huff and puff. But somebody who's, who's physically fit, they could do it with ease and they can enjoy the journey. My goal for everybody here is, I believe you have genius inside of you, that your life is like an egg. That if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. 
And great things tend to begin in the inside, like that egg. And I believe everybody has genius and greatness and superpowers inside. And if you can't tap it into it, it's just because you weren't shown how. What if you were born with these incredible superpowers? Not to leap tall buildings and a single bound or shoot lasers out of your eyes. What if you have this ability to leap tall, you know, textbooks, <laughs> go through that? Or what if you have the, the ability to, to have this incredible sharp laser focus? What if you could have this bulletproof memory, right? What if those are your modern day superpowers that will help you show up in your career, in your college, in your education with confidence? Absolutely. Amazing. Two final questions, Jim, and these are questions I try to ask all time for coffee guests. You've already talked about that time in your youth when you really struggled. You were you had that personal struggle. But I'm curious on the professional front, if you've ever faced any big challenges. And most important here is how you persevered and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process, because I think it's so easy for our young listeners, our young viewers to look at someone like you and say, oh, yes, you know, Jim really had a Mm -hmm. tough time until he was in college. And then fortunately, he was able to teach himself out of his dilemma. And ever since then, it's been smooth sailing. I I feel everything you're you're, you're saying, because I think everyone has had that that experience. And I've had so many of these. So here is I'm just thinking about which one to choose because I believe that these mistakes are stepping stones and that maybe failure is not the opposite of success. Maybe it's part of success. Maybe if that failure is not an option, then neither is success. I think Seth, Seth Godin said something like that. And so what I would say is I've had a number of challenges along the way in my career over a few decades. One of the most recent ones I'll, I'll share is just this past year. You know, I know a lot of us are in a new environment. You know, they call it like a new normal. But this book was my very first book. And people ask, I don't usually talk about this, but why I waited so long to write this book. And the truth is, I'm I'm still very introverted. I'm also painfully shy. It's not something that I, you know, I've had book deals or go on media offers or franchising opportunities, all these ways of of sharing by my purpose. But I never said yes ever because I didn't want to be famous. I just want to help people. But a couple of years ago, I was in a car accident and I almost died and put things in perspective and made me think about legacy and what I leave behind. And so part of what my answer came up with was to write this book because fundamentally, I feel like I'm a reading teacher, you know, and so I wanted to share books that shaped my life. I mentioned, you know, my path and I'd be remiss if I didn't do that and regret that. And so I signed the book deal the next day after that. But when the book launched, it was scheduled to come out in late April of last year. And really the begin where everything was locked down and I had this opportunity to move it, the launch date to some future date. And I said, no, you know, this book is more than a book on speed reading, remember names and learning languages. This is a book about managing your mind in times of crisis. This is a time about how to optimize your, your productivity, your, your focus when you're learning or working from home. This is a thing about learning a new skill or a new subject. If, you know, huge industries have just disappeared or been disrupted. So I chose the challenge was to launch this book and I had 34 speaking engagements at that time set up. The big ones, South by Southwest. I had a big Barnes & Noble national tour that was set up. 100% of everything got canceled. 100%. 
And so one of the biggest challenges I had was how do I get my life's work that I've waited three decades to produce to the world when like everything just turned off almost overnight. And what I would, the lesson is I've trained myself to ask this question. And I would offer this to everybody who's listening is to ask this dominant question when you're faced with challenge, where's the gift in this? Where is the gift in this? You know, as an example, my two biggest challenges growing up as a child were learning and public speaking. Now, the universe has a sense of humor because what do I do all day, every day is I public speak on this thing called learning. And what I would say is, where's the gift in in these kind of challenges? And maybe things aren't happening to you. Maybe they're happening for you. And maybe it's a limited idea that things are happening to you, limited idea, entertain a lie. Maybe what if it's happening to you and asking yourself a new question saying, where's where's the opportunity in this? Where Where's the gift in this? So me being regulated for being at home, I haven't gone on a plane in a year, you know, all this stuff says, wow, you know, and so I, I pivoted and we put everything online, you know, instead of doing these live gatherings at these big conferences, we started to do these podcast interviews, we started to do Instagram lives, we started to digitize everything, to be able to get the word out there. And honestly, I did more uh, connections and reach more people working digitally and remotely than I ever could fit into a ballroom or traveling, you know, to another to another country. And so I would say is going back to these things about difficult times, that these difficult times can define us, these difficult times can diminish us, or these difficult times can can develop us. And I would say find the opportunity in, in the things even for your current situation and own it and find the benefit of these. Because no matter your age or stage, because I know people are watching this everywhere in different places in their life, many people are paralyzed by the thought of making a mistake. But just remember, and you can even write this down, that mistakes are proof that we're trying, right? And when you learn from them, you have the power to turn, they have the power to turn you into something better than you were before. And also just a reminder to everybody here that you are not your mistakes. When you make a mistake, keep in mind that it doesn't mean anything about you as an individual or a person. Many people make the mistake and jump to the conclusions about their, about their self-worth. And just remember that no one is perfect and that's okay. That you make mistakes, but mistakes don't make you. And they are here to guide you. They're here to not define you. And when you place them underneath your feet and use them as stepping stones to rise up to another level, because everybody makes mistakes and it's not how we're going to make mistakes, but how we're going to deal with them that more defines us. And you don't even have to be proud of your mistakes, but you can be proud that you grew from them and they made you into a better person, the person that you are today, right? And so what I would say is challenging times, they reveal character, they reveal our commitments. And right now it's, it's hard. So self-kindness is so important. Have compassion for yourself. You know, if, if you're not making the progress that you hope, don't compare yourself to everybody else. That's not the goal, right? The goal, envy is, the, as they say, is the thief of joy. Compare yourself to the best version of yourself. Compare yourself to the person who you were yesterday. And I feel like that if you had that in mind, that we could adopt more of that mindset, it'll give us some kind of peace and less judgment about ourselves where we could go and be compassionate to ourselves. If we're facing something the world's never faced before, and but if we keep showing up, if we always work hard, if we're always committed to learn, you know, along the way, if we if we're kind to other people, the results will will show up for ourselves. Oh, that was so beautiful, Jim. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. And and I'm so 
sorry to hear about that terrible accident that you were in. But I mean, look at what it produced. Look at what it produced. And I think everybody that who's watching this, we've all had a set of challenges and adversity. But I bet you some people who are here listening to this, they've gone through some challenges that maybe they wouldn't wish upon anybody, but they wouldn't change it for themselves. That through that challenge, they, they found something. Maybe they found clarity about what's important to them. Maybe they found what they're capable of. You know, part of this process that we're going through is not just learning new skills and committing is really self-care. And part of self-care is is self-love, is falling in love with that person in the mirror who's been through so much, but is still standing, right? And and so I would remind you that, you know, that self-esteem and self-confidence, all that's built around self because you're not going to get that from somebody else. You know, going back to personal responsibility, I would say to, to have it that extreme ownership, you know, over, over yourself, be responsible. And because, you know, when we blame, we put the power outside, right? When we make excuses, I feel like that we use an immense amount of energy. It takes an immense amount of time for something and nothing changes because of it. And what I would say to everybody is take small, simple steps. And I call them S3s. What is the tiniest action you could take? Don't, don't, Thinking is good, but overthinking and wanting to be perfect, you're not going to, it's going to cease progress before it even starts. How can you break this down into something really small? What is the tiniest action you could take right now that will give you progress towards your goal where maybe you can't even fail? You know, if it's something simple like, hey, I just want to, Jim says, as your body moves, your brain grooves. When you move, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, which is like fertilizer for your brain cells. And but I'm not exercising because of, you know, the gyms are closed and everything else. So maybe it's not like working out for 45 minutes. Maybe that's too big. Maybe a small, simple step is to put on your running shoes today. People see pictures of me and Oprah or Elon Musk or any of these individuals. We bonded over books. I always say leaders are readers. But if you're not reading every single day for like, you know, half an hour or 45, maybe that's too big. Maybe a small, simple step, opening up the book, reading one line in a book. How can you break this down so it's super, super simple and not overcomplicate things? Part of success is getting rid of the excess stuff and making it more elegant. And so what what is the fundamentals? What are the principles? What are the things that will make the biggest difference in your life? And focus on those. I'm so glad that I have this as a recording because I can just play it back every single day. I'll have Jim Quick inspiring me every day. Of course, they can get that on your podcast. I have one final, very quick question to ask you, Jim. And that is, if you could go back to college, go back and do it all over again. But wow. based on the immense wisdom you have right now, what advice would you give yourself? Back in college, besides things like, buy Apple stocks and all those stuff. I, I would say, I mean, my answer is repetitive, but I'll give you, I'll give you two. My, my, my answer would be the reminder that I'm responsible, that my past and everything helped create me to where I am, but I am responsible for where I am now and where I'm going. So I, I always start with personal responsibility. But my other answer is, is this, is that, all right, so so I struggled all through school. I was bullied, you know, then it was kind of a challenging time. And that's why when people see me on social media and I have a 10 foot hulk in my backyard and I just, I kind of indulge in like a lot of superhero things because it's like me living my, my second childhood. I would say that besides you are responsible for your life, I would remind that, that individual that you are enough. And I, I think that a lot of our insecurities come from other people's opinions 
and other people's expectations. And I spent an inordinate amount of time with the elderly, with seniors, maybe because I lost all my natural grandparents before I was a you know a teenager. And I feel like there's so much wisdom that's there. And I would go to, before things were closed down, senior centers and help them polish off their memories. But also I would hear amazing experiences. And I believe the life you live are the lessons you teach. The life we live are the lessons we teach other people. But I also hear some regret consistently. And usually the biggest regret is these unfulfilled past that people have. And and I'm just here to remind you, like maybe they had a regret about they pursued a career because it was expected by parents or they didn't date somebody because, you know, what other people would think or something like that. And I would remind you, my lessons, this is my advice would be to that kid, that when we die or when we're in that casket, it's not a fun thought experiment. There's no room in there for possessions. You could have toys and that's all good and everything. But there's also not a lot of room in there for regret. That when we're taking our final breaths at the end of our life, none of other people's opinions are going to matter. None of our fears are going to matter. What's going to matter at that time is how, is how we laughed, how we learned, you know, how we loved, how we lived. And I would say the most important thing, I keep the most important things, the most important things that don't, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from, right? Choose your peers. Choose the people you're going to spend time with. And sometimes our family and our friends, they can be well-meaning, well-meaning. They can be sincere, but they can be sincerely wrong, right? And sometimes you know your passion or you know more of your purpose, but you have to quiet the external noise because it's been buried underneath other people's expectations. And I'm saying my sentence would be like, there's no one path to get you there. Is to give yourself, it's like when people say they want to find true love. I don't think you find true love. I think with your passions the same way. Your passion is what lights you up. Your purpose is how you use that passion to light other people up. My passion is learning. And it wasn't always learning, but I discovered and I developed that passion of learning. And what's my purpose? My purpose is teaching other people how to learn. My passion, what lights me up is learning. My purpose, what lights other people up is teaching other people how to learn. And how do you find it? Give yourself enough experience in your life. Give yourself enough novelty, stimulus to be able to see where your heart takes you. Try things at least three times. Try it to get once to get over the fear of it. Try it again to to get to learn it. Try it a third time to see if you enjoy it or not, right? But you give yourself just like you're dating, right? You're gonna date and see what your heart responds to, what your soul and your spirit, you know, it's called to. But then you don't just find that true love. You have to build it every single day after that. And so my my advice to my younger self is you are responsible for your life. You are enough and get yourself around people, ideas, and individuals that spark your mind, that, that light up your heart and see where your spirit is guiding you and develop those. That true love is not discovered, it's developed just like your true love for your passions or your eventual purpose. And that is not predestined. I don't think that our life is predestined towards one purpose. I really don't. I feel like, or one individual, I don't think even that. I feel like that is built through hard work. But if it's worth the work, then it's worth also the the rewards that come from it also as well. So I would say, put yourself around ideas, insight, individuals, continue to learn as you're learning right here. And there's this Zig Ziglar quote that that I have in my library. It's funny that I have a lot. I've never really thought about it. I built a library very similar to this gentleman's library. But it's just that if you are not willing to learn, nobody could help you. If you're unwilling to learn, nobody can help you. But if you're willing to learn, nobody can stop you. You know, and I would just adjust it a little bit, not just learn. If you're if you're if you're willing to learn and apply what you learn, then you are unstoppable. 
that you are truly limitless. Well, Jim Quick, you are truly limitless when it comes to your ability to teach and inspire the rest of us how to learn. And I want to thank you personally as somebody who has consumed this book, loved it, absolutely loved it, and has taken one of the quick learning courses. Fantastic. Has listened, of course, to the quick podcast. And I just cannot thank you enough for not just making time for coffee today with me and the time for coffee community, but being so unbelievably generous with your time and with actually that is the most precious gift, your time and your knowledge. Thank you. And I really appreciate all that you do. I'm so glad that we were able to to co-create together on this and collaborate. I hope we get to do it again. And my final message to everybody who's listening to this is don't be just be inspired by this conversation. What's one action you could take to be able to 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 make progress? And maybe my, my suggestion would be to screenshot, you know, in whatever form you're doing this, take a picture of it or screenshot this, or or if you're listening to it on podcast, you know, screenshot it and tag Andrea. Tag myself as you post on social media and share one thing, just one thing that you learned here, because they call it the explanation effect, that when you learn with the intention of teaching somebody else, that you actually learn it better. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. So screenshot this wherever you're listening to it, post it, do one thing, one thing that you got this aha about so that you share it with your fans, your followers, your family, your friends. And I believe that's what we're here. People ask me this question all the time. They're like, Jim, your book's called Limitless, but the world is like very limited. How do you become limitless in a limited world? And my answer is just very clear. We do it together. We do it together. And so post it, share it, tag tag it both in it. And that way I can see it, what your big aha is. I'll actually repost some of my favorites on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, where you're doing it. I'll gift a copy of the book just to, to one individual, just for, as a thank you for, for being part of this, you know, time for coffee community. And, and we'll, we'll share it and don't let this be the end that I believe that now's the time to be too optimistic, to scare, to be too determined to, to doubt and do not downgrade your dreams to meet this current situation. Let's upgrade our mindset, our motivation, the methods that we're using to be able to, to meet and exceed those, those incredible dreams. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.